0: well good morning everybody for those of you i do not know my name is mike it's honor welcome you here to north star as we continue this series called family circus there is no greater circus on earth than that of a family and just watch him get ready for church all right and so it is all kinds of different creatures all kinds of different people trying to fit in and there is no greater tightrope that we walk in this world than the tightrope of parenting so how many in here are parents raise your hand if you're a parent all right uh if you are not a parent and you're like oh i mean what does this apply to me you know i'm in my i'm in my teens or i'm in my 20s and and you're gonna check out today but one day you think you may be a parent you uh probably ought to take some good notes today because your time's coming jack all right and so you're, you're gonna you're gonna get into this thing and try to figure it out you you look at parents and you go really they've lost it how many of you never dreamed you would get excited about a minivan purchase all right and so that's why i remember looking at people with minivans going i'll never do that and then at one point we had two all right and so that's not cool at all so today is going to be talking about walking that tightrope of parenting no matter where you are in the process, before it, in the thick of it, or on the back end of it, you never stop parenting, all right? So once the process starts, you're in a club you can't get out of, all right? And so, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would. Turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at one verse in the book of Ephesians, and then we're going to dive in today. So, hopefully, on your way in, you've got a little um, worship guide. That'll be our guide as we work along. If you've got uh, you're te- more technology-driven, you can go to our app, uh, North Star Church, Georgia. Go to that app. All the notes for today are in the app. Ann and I are on the other side of parenting, all right? Our children are 25 and 22. We still parent. A lot. they still need money. All right, and so, but but we are we're on the other side of them living with us today. So a lot of today is perspective. A lot of today is looking back. I also did this on a Sunday. Neither of my children are here to debate what I tell you, all right? And so it works out really well. So I want you to stand with me, would you? Ephesians chapter 6. Paul, the great apostle, is pinning now the words to this church at Ephesus. So it was a new church. They are learning what it means to follow Christ. They are learning what it means to look like Jesus. They're learning what it means to follow hard after God. And he is beginning to lay out for them the things they're going to need to know and the things they're going to need to remember. We pick it up in chapter 6. Paul says this, fathers. It's interesting. There's an address here made specifically to men. We can apply it both ways, but he, he directly puts it on dads. He said, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. It's going to be a balancing act. When you live with somebody in this circus called a family, there are going to be times that we know what buttons to push. We know what sends them over the edge. We don't always act like the responsible adult, and we can punch the buttons we shouldn't be punching. He says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up, bring them up in the discipline an instruction of the lord he tells us what not to do and then he tells us what we need to do now what's interesting in here he never says bring them up to be the best athlete they can be even though that's part of life we all do that Bring them up to be the best cheerleader. Bring them up to have the best grades. Bring them up to be the most social. Bring them up to be the best Cub Scout or Boy Scout or Girl Scout. Bring them up to be whatever. What he says is to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The greatest gift you will ever give your children is your faith. The greatest gift you will ever give your children is your faith that's alive and well, not a history lesson. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so grateful for you. God, I am so grateful that You left us an instruction manual. You left us a guidebook. You left us stories. You left us people to figure out this crazy tightrope experience that we walk as parents. God, I pray that over these next few short minutes that we have, that we take in what you have for us and we live out what you want for us. God, today we give you just these these minutes, protect them, keep our phones from going off, keep our minds from getting distracted, and let us see what you have for us today. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name amen before you're seated i want you to turn around meet three people around you you've never met before and say i hope mike doesn't talk too long all right would you hope mike doesn't talk too long well it is uh this is a sunday i'll tell you this this is a sunday i really look forward to because we are uh, there there are a lot of hats you wear in life. So for a season of my life I was a son to my parents and then Anne and I got married and I became my greatest hat that I wear is being her husband. That's the greatest job that I have in this world the second greatest job I have in this world is not North Star and I love what I do here don't get any ideas all right so I really really like what I do here I love this church but it's not my greatest role my greatest role is following Jesus being a husband to Anne, being a father to my two children and then the role that I get to serve here at North Star it's the greatest gift you'll ever give is being a parent it's that opportunity that those kids are put in your control and put under your care for a season of time. And what you do with that season is going to tell a lot about who you are and, and how you want to live. And I, how many of you said your parents? Raise your hand for parents how many of you at some point in parenting felt like the biggest failure in the world raise your hand how many of you felt like a failure so much you should keep your hand up the whole service all right and so that that's me so i remember casey so when they were little we're like okay and this is you know everything's everything's with with you know your experiences and you don't know what you don't know so i had been a youth pastor So I had my first five and a half years. I was a youth pastor, prided myself on being current and up with the times. And and I wanted the kids to think I was cool. And so when we had kids, I'm like, well, this can't be hard. I mean, I've I've worked with everybody else's kids. And so at that time, I had a message. And it was 10 surefire ways for your kids to grow up and love you and love the Lord. And then we had kids, and I came down with one idea you might want to try. All right. And so, because it's very different when they're in your house. There's very different. Casey was young. I remember he was preschool. I'm really bad about getting their ages right. So, but he was he was in preschool, and we wanted him, he went to First Baptist Christian School, which is the church that I served before I came to North Star. And they were doing an in-home visit for kindergarten preschool they were doing the in-home visit and so you know you got to make sure your house is really clean anytime you have a company you want it to look like what it never looks like any other time all right and so company's coming over the teacher's coming over so we're putting away we lived right over here in blue springs right up the street here and so we're putting away everything and the teacher comes over and you know casey was a he was a little guy at the time and he was he at that point he was not very friendly all right and and He's not real friendly now sometimes. But anyway, so it's, it's, some things don't change. But but he was a little guy at the time. And I remember Ann and I welcomed the teacher in. And so they're already not... They're, There's some people that are a little upset that I've left, and so we're wanting to be on our best behavior, and they know that I've been a youth pastor to many of their kids, and so I'm wanting to put ourselves in a good light. And so we're sitting on the couch. We have our backs. We had a kitchen back here. Our backs are here. And then there's a a couch over here where the teacher is. And so Anne and I are sitting there, and we notice Casey's not sitting with us. And we don't know where Casey is. I'm like, I wonder if he went to his room. And so I turn around, teacher's over there, and over the top of the couch, there is a toy gun pointed at the teacher. (laughs) And bought him that gun. I do not know what will happen. And I remember feeling like the worst parent in the world because I know there was a prayer meeting for our child that night at First Baptist Christian School, and you're like, we failed, we failed. And we all have those experiences while our kids are growing up, we're learning as we go. We read the books, we heard the stories, but living it was a whole different deal. So everything we say today All right, here's why I'm telling you all this. Everything to say today is not saying we figured it out. Okay, that is not the point. The point is I want to share lessons along the journey that we have found that may help you. Is that fair with everybody? So don't take this as, well, if I do these things exactly, then everything's going to turn out right. I know some of the greatest parents in the world have done everything right, and yet their kids rebelled and their kids walked away, and we'll talk about that. And then there's others that wish they could unwind time and go back. Today is about learning lessons that God left us so your kids don't point guns at teachers. All right, and so that's what what today's about. So everybody's got your Bible, you got a pen, you got something to write with. Lesson number one today. If we're gonna have a wise experience as a parent, walk in this tightrope, because here's the tightrope. The world says do this. God says do this. Our friends do this. And we're walking this balancing act on this tightrope, not wanting to fall or fail our kids. What do we need to know? Lesson number one, wise parents show grace. Wise parents show grace. Grace. Here's why. Everybody look at me. We'll let you in on a little secret. I know little Johnny's really sweet right now, and little Susie is just a most kind-hearted little girl. But let me tell you a little fact of life. Your children are going to disappoint you. They are going to come up short. They are not going to do everything right. Your children at times may come up short they are going to disappoint you you are going to need to be a grace giver as a parent does that make sense everybody now everybody look at me you're going to disappoint your kids you are going to come up short you're going to react to them occasionally out of anger you are going to say things to your children you don't mean You're gonna open your mouth at times and be more like the child than the adult. You're gonna disappoint your kids. If you want grace from them, you better give them grace. I want you to write a word under this, ready? And the word is process, process. (laughs) Parenting is a process that you never completely arrive at. It's a process. There's not a script. All of our kids are different. I want you to look with me. Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read it on the screen along with you. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, what's the next word there? Forgiving each other as the Lord has what? Forgiven you. I want you to write a word down. Ready? Here's the word shepherd. Our model of parenting is not Mr. and Miss Smith or Mr. and Miss Jackson. That's not our model of parenting. Our model of parenting is how God parents us. I want you to write down Psalm 23. Just write down Psalm 23. You don't have to write down the whole Psalm, all right? Just Psalm 23. David begins that by saying, the Lord is my, let's check a little Bible quiz here. The Lord is my what? Shepherd. Very good. Y'all pass. You get out early. All right. And so the Lord is my shepherd. What do shepherds do? Let's think about this. Shepherds love their sheep, right? Shepherds protect their sheep. Shepherds at times prod their sheep. Sometimes shepherds have to pick their sheep up when they're herding and carry their sheep. Do you know what a good shepherd does every night when the sheep go to bed? They lay in front of the door so no one can get in to take the sheep. The shepherd, the good shepherd, lays in front of the door. God left us a model of parenting. He did it himself. By the way he loves us. How many of you are thankful for God's grace? Are you thankful for God's grace? Say, oh yeah. yeah. Are you thankful for God's grace? You know, there's a term in scripture called long-suffering. That he's persevering in his love. As a parent, you're going to need a persevering love. Our kids, no matter how much we do right, sometimes will push it. It's funny, so he laid out boundaries for us in love, and they were called the Ten Commandments. They're a boundary of love. We've had law books that could fill this room written, and if we could just abide by those ten, we wouldn't need all the law books. In fact, Jesus said there's just two, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we can instill those two things into the lives of our children, They will never come back void. Wise parents show grace. Wise parents love like Jesus loves. I want you to write the word. Now, under number one, bend. One of the ways we show grace is parenting to their bent. Parenting to their bent meaning if you have more than one child they are different they are not alike you cannot parent children alike you can have you can have foundational rules but you can't parent exactly the same you got two different kids you got two different stories two different bents parents that show grace parent to the bent meaning they they are so understanding of their children they bend to that understanding it doesn't mean they bend and don't have rules it means they bend to the bent of their child they love them enough to know them they love them enough to know them when in the proverb train up a child in the way they should go it literally means train them up parent according to the bent so We raised two children that were the most opposite kids on the face of the earth. Mary Mary Michael, from the time she was little, never met a stranger. Never. The girl talks more than I do. Bless Jesus. All right. And so the girl talks all the time. Casey is quiet. He more keeps to himself. So when the kids were growing up, if we had one rule and, and you get in trouble with well, the rule is you're grounded and you have to stay home, Casey would have been thrilled. He loves staying home, all right? And so that's not, he's not even gonna be upset about that. We had to bend our parenting to their personality. Does that make sense to everybody? Wise parents show grace. They understand their children will disappoint. God created Two children. Another Bible quiz. Adam and who? Eve. Didn't do so hot, did they? All right. And so they got in a little bit of trouble and caused trouble for all of us. Wise parents show grace. They bear with one another. There are going to be times you have to forgive your children for mistakes they make. Everybody look at me. Your children will make mistakes. They're going to disappoint you, and they're going to let you down. And you're going to disappoint them. And there's going to be seasons you let them down. I don't know how many times we sat across from each other, and there were times I had to look at the kids and say, I was sorry. I came home in a bad mood and jumped on them about something they had nothing to do with. And then there were seasons, many That they had to ask forgiveness as well. Wise parents show grace. Here's the phrase I want you to write down and we're going to move on. The story isn't over. When you're in the middle of one of the bad parts of the story, it seems like it's going to last forever. And there are seasons in that story that are brutal. And we don't we 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 don't look back and go, gosh, I wish I could live through that little. We remember the good part, but there were some seasons in it that were hard. There were some seasons in it that were bad, right? I mean, that, that's just part of it. We went through one of those seasons with Mary Michael, and she she was testing the limits, pushing our buttons a little bit. And I remember, and she'll tell you, I walked up there one night and I said pack your bag we're gonna take you to live with somebody else <laughs> and of course her crying and screaming stopped, and she said do what and I said pack it I said you don't want to live here you don't like our rules I'm gonna take you to find somebody else to live with and you're like you didn't oh bless God I did all right so it's about <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning and, and it was one of those hard moments. And the point was this. My greatest thing I will ever give my kids is how I love their mom. Greatest gift I'll ever give them is how I love her. And if you can't appreciate that and you don't like the rules that we've been given, I'll help you find somewhere new to live. There's somebody that'll love you but it isn't me right now, all right? And so I don't. I, I love you, but don't like you at this moment was sort of that season we were in. And that was just one of those little seasons. Mary Michael will tell you about it. Just ask her, send her a note on Twitter. Did your dad do that? And then she'll tell you more than you want to know, all right? And so, but that, that happens. It happens in all our homes. It was one of those, it was one of those seasons. Now, did every time Mary Michael, every time she failed, did I bring that night up? No, because grace says when it's over, it's over, Right? I just bring it up in sermons, all right? And so it really works out, works out great. Be glad your dad's, dad's not a pastor, all right? Number two, wise parents, parent with grace. Number two, wise parents allow consequences. Wise parents allow consequences. I love the way scripture says that my son... Don't despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. There's two kinds of consequences. Ready? Number one, there's logical consequences. They're just logical consequences. Those are the things our kids need, need to be able to connect the dots right between a rule a rule that was broken and a consequence god uses our struggles and pains to grow us everybody look at me and i'm telling you this out of love you're gonna have to let your kids face consequences and you're gonna have to let your kids fail the difference in this generation than the generation so i was born remember my dad I was nine years after my sister, 11 years after my brother. My parents had sort of parented once already, but my brother was graduating when I went in first grade, if that gives you an idea of the time frame. And so my parents had already done this once. And I think they learned a lot of lessons on David and Donna that I got the benefits of. But here's one thing my parents did really well they let us face the music they didn't rescue us if we got punished at school and this is just my parents and I'm not telling you what to do if we got punished at school they always took the teacher's side always always they never didn't take because they knew we would lie our way out of everything they knew halftime the we were not telling the truth I'm just covering my rear end And one of the greatest gifts they gave me was letting me fail and not always swooping into the rescue. If there's a mistake that's being made in our generation of parenting, mine and yours, it's we rescue our kids when sometimes the best thing is for them to live through something they wouldn't choose. Does that make sense? Now, if somebody's hurting your child, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about natural consequences. My senior year college i've told the story before telling it with somebody's last night new coach goes a different direction coaching i'm not going to play i find out i'm not going to play and so they said you got two options you can help us coach or you can sit in the bullpen all year not play and be a cancer i was on a 75 percent scholarship so i mean i'm all about my rights and what i deserve and i remember calling home like it was yesterday i'm telling you the reason I remember it so well so defining in my life I said the coach the new coach doesn't want me here and I'm not gonna play this year and it's not fair and they've given me two options to coach and be a student assistant coach or to sit in the bullpen and never pitch an inning all year and I remember it like it was yesterday I remember where I was I remember the conversation I remember my dad going well it sounds like you got two choices and I'm like are y'all gonna come up here and do something about this <laughs> I remember saying that and my dad's like uh, not planning on it said you sound like you got two choices one, you can coach or one you can sit and be a pain in the rear end all season he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, sir. He said, you playing next year? You going to play in the minor leagues? I went, gosh, no, Dad, I'm not that good. He said, well, just look at it. You retired a year early. Thanks, Dad, for the help. All right, I remember hanging up going. I wanted them to save me. It was one of the best lessons I ever learned. Life isn't fair. Can we all agree with that? Your kids need to know life's not fair. You can't clean up Everything. So we live in a culture that never lets our kids. We don't want our. I I didn't want my kids to fail. You don't want yours to fail. But failure grows you. Would you agree with that? Sometimes coming up short is a good lesson. Sometimes you got it. You you got in trouble at school. You need to deal with the consequence of getting in trouble at school. Wise parents, they understand and they allow consequences. There's logical, but the second kind of consequences, there's parental. these are consequences for breaking rules if you don't do your homework this is the penalty you don't get to go blah you don't get to do blah you know whatever that rule is be consistent and be firm don't say you don't clean your room you will never see the light of day till you're 99 all right and so don't do that because you're gonna get tired of it all right and so be consistent and be firm and be fair there's logical consequences, there's parental consequences. While our kids are growing up, we've got a parent according to their age. So you got a couple blanks, let's talk about this real quick. There's discipline years, those early years, birth through really one to five when they start moving around, those are discipline years. Second are the training years. Those are 5 through 12 where they're learning lots of lessons. We're having to be firm on some stuff. 12 to 18 are the coaching years. That's where we've trained and now we're, we're stepping back a little bit. They're going off to school. They're doing their own thing. We're not with them as much as we were. You being a room mom when they're in 11th grade, isn't cool anymore, all right? And so, to let you know, they don't want lemonade from you at their class, all right? It's not cool. Can I bring cupcakes to your varsity baseball game? Please, mother, no, all right? I'm begging you, no, all right? Last are the friendship years. Friendship years, 18 on. I'll say this today. My greatest male friend in the world is my son. But when he was 16, he was not my best friend. He never invited me to double date with him, ever, all right? And so, I would say Mary Michael is Ann's best female friend. We're going to have coffee with her this afternoon. It's her best friend. But when Mary Michael was 15, did she invite Ann over to every friend's house? No. We understood, we've been given a role, and if we can possibly do this correctly, one day... Maybe we can get to this phase. I remember we were in college when all this was just theory. And, and I'm just going to write the word parenting up here. This is the fattest marker I have ever seen. If I get out of here and don't write on myself today, it's going to be a miracle. All right? And so parenting. So here's the easiest way to parent for all of you. How many of you have children at home under the age of eight? Raise your hand. You're in church today because somebody else is taking care of your kids. All right, but anyways, so, but we're we're glad you made it. All right, so the easiest way of parenting is to start really loose. And we got some rules, but I really want to be their friend. I want them to love me so I'm gonna be easy and we start really wide then our kids so we're way over here then our kids start growing and they start getting in trouble and when they're 13 we go well we're gonna firm things up and we try to bring it in Andy Stanley said this, this was one of the greatest lessons I learned in it if your children are able to, unable to be picked up and laid down in their bed, you've missed the discipline years. When you're able to pick them up and lay them down, those are those years that we do. And, and what happens is we begin to put rules in place they're not used to at 13, and then here's the word we get. We get the word rebellion. Rebellion. during these early years we are building a relationship that makes these rules more tolerable here's here's the lesson we learned and it was a hard lesson but i'm glad we did it this just makes you feel smarter i don't know what it is Then I feel more intelligent with a flip chart. It's an amazing thing. Anyways, I digress. All right, and so, it's an inverted pyramid. When the kids were little, we were tight. And that's where consequences were learned. That's where rules were learned. And as they got older, we gave more freedom. Does that make sense to everybody? Was this hard? Heck yes. Were there, were, time, were there times we were enforcing things their friends' parents weren't enforcing? Absolutely. Did it make us, everybody look at me, not cool? Yes. Well, Mike, my, my parents, my, my children are in middle school now and they act like they don't know me. That's normal. All right, it's normal. I remember being at Lost Mountain Middle School to speak. I'm speaking to the student body at Lost Mountain Middle School. I'm walking down the hallway and I see Mary Michael coming and she hides behind a pillar so <laughs> till I walk by because she don't want to be seen with me. I'm like, what happened? What happened? Am I thankful now? Yes. Point number three. Wise parents live with authenticity. Here's what I want you to write under this, and this is the part I want you to get. Their faith is real. Well, Mike, I believe the most important thing I'll ever do is bring my kids to church and let uh, Christy and Sue and Haley and and their amazing team up there just pour into them, and, and I've done my job. Absolutely not. The greatest place they need to see Jesus is in their mom and their dad. we got impact this week. We'll carry 100-plus kids to impact. Some of your kids are going to come home on fire. Don't be the one that puts water on their flames because of your inauthentic faith. They need to see Jesus in you, even if it's Early. Do you know what's one of the most important things that you'll ever give your kids is to talk about your faith at home. It's an authentic faith. It's a growing faith. I love the way Paul told Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. All right, this is just like, this is like a Dr. Phil moment. So I'm just gonna tell you. tell it like it is my greatest fear being a parent my number one fear is my kids would grow up and say who dad was at work was not who he was at home number one fear i didn't want my kids growing up going yeah yeah y'all really like my dad and he'll tell a joke on sunday and you all laugh at it but you don't know what he's like when he gets home We watched a lot of ball together. We drove on a lot of trips together. And I look back in the rearview mirror now. Were Ann and I perfect? <laughs> so far from it, it's not even funny. My some of my closest friends in the world in this room, college roommate and his family. My neighbors and their family, we parented together growing up. They know my failures. They know where we've come up short. I've never met a parent who was trying to be the best they could be that failed. I've met a lot that weren't thinking about it, that really screwed it up sometimes God has to overcome even what we tried to do well we were dropping Mary Michael off last week at the where she's living in Gwinnett we were driving back and I thought both of them are in the work world now and I can't believe I I mean I feel like we're still 25 years old Anne still looks like she is. But I don't, right? But anyways, uh, I still feel 25. And boy, in my mind, all those rides to school when I really wanted to be at work, I'm an early bird. Sitting in car line at a middle school in the afternoon. Leaving early so I can come back to something that night. getting in the car after a ball game that we won or lost, and I don't remember. Wouldn't trade it for all the money in the world. You got one shot. Love and point them to Jesus. You won't regret it. Some of you are single parents. You're pulling both roles. I don't know how you do it, but I've watched some single parents in this room raise some of the most dynamic kids I've ever met. Last week I was down in Fayetteville for a meeting and I drove by the, the graveside where my parents were. And I stood there, and I know they're not there. I, I get there in heaven, but man, I, I look back and yeah, they failed us and they messed up. They're great mom and dad. They were tough. They did not care. I don't think they ever cared. That I didn't fit in because of a rule. They didn't, I don't think they lost any sleep over any of that. They had one job, and that was to put Jesus in me and point me towards Him, and they did a good job. I want this church to be known as a church who loves Jesus and raises a generation that changes our world. How does that happen? With moms and dads that point towards Him. Would you pray with me? Man, right where you're seated this morning. You may be right in the thick of it. You're in the circus. Man, would you just tell God what you need? Maybe today you're parenting a prodigal. You've done everything you did right, and your kids walked away. Would you just put them in God's hands. Say, God, they're yours, they're not mine. God, would you set our hearts on you, for you, and towards you? God, we love you so much.